Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Clemson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Ready, Just call me Swanee. Tiger style. Tiger style. Finally, Clemson Sports Talk has come back to drive time. Hello, everybody. Lawton Swan back in the saddle. Once again, it is the show that shakes the Southland Clemson Sports Talk for you. Each and every afternoon as you make your way around the great state of South Carolina and beyond listening to us on incredible radio stations like Fox Sports Radio 1400 in the Midlands. Heard around the world on the iHeart radio application. Download today. It is free. The website, put the .com on it. Doggone it, that's ClemsonSportsTalk.com. 803-450-0086. Get in where you fit in and appreciate you being a part of the program. So, let me ask you. How many of you are subscribers to the website? If you raised your hand, thank you for supporting us. $63.17 gets you a year of coverage. You can do three months, though, for a buck right now. So you can continue to peek over the fence at the best radio show in the nation. And the reason we say that is because you get a chance to hop in and be a part of what we do online and on the air. And we need your support. And that's a direct way to support it. Our sponsors, you can go out, support them and, and what they do for this program as well. I certainly encourage you to do that. But if you want to directly affect this program and our website, subscribe Recruiting insight, notes, exclusives, all kind of stuff that you just can't get anywhere else. 803-450-0086. All right, so the Tigers get the J-O-B-D-O-N-E, the job done this weekend against Syracuse. I called it 31-20. Final score, 31-14. Last week, I nailed Florida State beating Clemson. So over the past two weekends... I'm a mere six points off the mark. Pretty excited about that. Anytime you can get close, you have to feel pretty good about it. As a matter of fact, if you take it back to the Florida Atlantic weekend, I said 45-10, it was 48-14. Depending on how you want to do the math, some people would say, well, you got a plus three on the Clemson side and a plus four on the Florida Atlantic side, so that's seven total that you're off. That means in three weeks, we're off just 13 total points. I mean, we've been pretty much dialed in for three weeks now as Clemson gets set to take on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons this weekend in Death Valley. Clemson's offense clicking. 
Cade Klubnik, 23 of 37, 263 yards, two touchdowns in the game. Tyler Downtown Brown, I, I, I don't know what you call this kid. What a freshman. Good gracious. Nine receptions, 153 yards. Didn't get in the end zone, but dude gets busy on the gridiron. Let's just let's just say it for what it is. And I, I, I really believe because Dabo Sweeney compared him to former Clemson Tiger wide receiver who ironically wore that same number six, Jacoby Ford. Everybody believes that's the comparison. I don't think it is. I think it's Artavis Scott. I think he's closer to Artavis Scott and maybe, maybe say even uh, Amari Rogers than I think he is to Jacoby Ford. I'll tell you, this kid can play, man. Troy Stilato, five receptions for 39 yards. Uh, the wide receiving core getting better, ironically. Adam Randall, not one of those guys. Dabo Sweeney talked about Adam Randall last night. We'll let you hear some of that in a little bit. He called Adam Randall inconsistent. Inconsistent, I guess, as well with his effort. Bo Collins had two receptions, a big 47-yard touchdown, two receptions for 63 yards. Uh, but the offense did work. The defense set the tone. The early hit by Justin Maskell on Garrett Schrader, forcing a fumble early, gave Clemson some positive momentum. Schrader goes 15 of 29, 181 yards, two touchdowns and an interception, but he rushes just for 24 yards on 15 carries, 1.6 yards per attempt. 1.6 yards per attempt there for Schrader. So Clemson getting the job done when it comes down to the defensive aspect of the ball game on Saturday. And so, look, I, I, it's hard to be disappointed in the direction this program has gone. 263 through the air, 126 on the ground, balanced attack, holding Syracuse to just 186 through the air. 100 yards on the ground. Clemson playing winning football outside of one play in the game. And it was a game, it was a, a play that, that could have been a huge one. The Tigers find Jake Brenningstool out of the backfield. Brenningstool fumbles the football. Syracuse scoops it up. And it nearly, I would say nearly, could have been a scoop and score. Ironically, it was the type play very early in the fourth quarter where I'm sure Clemson fans felt like there's no way uh, this is happening again. And sure enough, that's what it felt like. Up 24 to 7 with a chance to go up like 31 to 7, really ice the game. Instead, you turn it over, you get fortunate, they don't scoop it and score. They do drive down, though, and end up scoring a touchdown to make it 24 to 14. And a little bit of heat on the Tigers. Syracuse would get the ball back, but then Jeremiah Trotter Jr. 
on the third play of the drive with 7.31 left in the game is when the drive started. 6.45 left, Trotter with an interception. Diving, and Trotter had been taken advantage of in that ball game a couple of times down the field, wheel routes, etc. Trotter did not look good in coverage. Gave me major, major Ben Bullwear vibes in his coverage downfield. Uh, maybe not maybe not as bad as Ben Bullware downfield, but still, it was rough. But then he makes a huge interception. And then on the next play, Phil Maffa returns or rushes off the left side, 32 yards for the game, icing 31-14 touchdown. Clemson, again, set the tone early. T.J. Parker was incredible. Tyler Brown, awesome. As a matter of fact, back-to-back-to-back seasons now. And this is a this is a weird a weird one, but it, it's it's so true. Back to back to back seasons, the best wideout on Clemson's team has been a freshman. Think about it. Three years ago, who's the best wide receiver on the team? Bo Collins, right? If you're wondering, I gave you a second to think there. Bo Collins. How about last season? Antonio Williams. And then this season, thus far, it's been Tyler Brown. Now, Brown and Williams play the same position, and Williams is still banged up. Dabo Sweeney saying last night that Williams and Nate Wiggins would kind of test things extensively. I believe the exact words was were, the exact words were they will work out extensively to kind of find out where those guys are in terms of their health heading into this matchup against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. But man, can you imagine if those two guys can get on the field at the same time if they can figure out a way to uh, really utilize them together? in conjunction with one another, I, here, here's my thing. I think if they can, it's going to be huge for this offense. Again, the comments that Sweeney made on Adam Randall, who really his, I guess you'd say his biggest play was a pass interference that was called on a defensive back that was covering him. Uh, Adam Randall, Dabo Sweeney said, quote, inconsistent would be my biggest thing right now. He hasn't had quite as much opportunity, so some of it's not his fault. We just got to get him to cut it loose. This kid's a great talent, a great player. Just needs some more consistency from him. But indeed, Clemson does come away with a convincing victory. And looking at the Atlantic Coast Conference standings, Again, a lot of shaking went on this weekend. Duke showed up against Notre Dame. Heartbreaker for the Blue Devils to lose that matchup and potentially lose Riley Leonard for a week or two, uh, depending on his health, as he rolled his ankle. Uh, it looked like a pretty bad incident, but it sounds like from uh, the word on the street, he may not be out as long as some people expected. But right now in the ACC, you've got Louisville on top of the league at 3-0. and 
shout out to the Cardinals for the job that they are doing this season. Uh, sitting there with Jeff Brom in his first year as the head coach, they get past North Carolina State 13-10 to on Saturday. Uh, they have matchups in the league remaining against Pitt on the road, against Duke, Virginia Tech, Virginia, at Miami. That's it. There's a legitimate chance, kids, that Louisville could become the fly in the ointment for Clemson. Are there two losses on their schedule? Think about this. Pitt has been awful. Duke, certainly good and could win. You probably need the Blue Devils to win it. But at this point, the Blue Devils also have to lose three games for Clemson to get past them in the standings. Because that Notre Dame loss, not a conference loss. And then you've got that matchup at Miami November the 18th depending on what's going on with the Hurricanes at that point. I mean, the Cardinals have a legit chance to make the ACC championship at this point. I kid you not. They've got a matchup upcoming this weekend, though, against the Fighting Irish. It's a home game. Louisville's undefeated. Notre Dame with just the one loss to Ohio State, who scored in the waning moments uh, in South Bend to win a marquee matchup a couple of weekends ago. But all of a sudden, the Cardinals at 3-0 and in the ACC starting to become a bit of an issue for the Tigers in addition to what they already deal with in the pecking order with Florida State and Duke being uh, ahead of them as well, given that those teams both beat Clemson. Second place in the league currently belongs to Florida State. They were off this past weekend. The Seminoles are 4-0. and and 2-2 two and two in conference play. They've got a matchup coming up this weekend, however, uh, against Virginia Tech. That game's in Tallahassee, a 3-30 start. Then they face Syracuse at home and then Duke at home. They go to Wake at Pitt versus Miami, and that'll wrap up their ACC slate November the 11th. And they're really not the team to overly concern yourself with. I think you just hope that they win out and put a blemish on everybody, including the Duke Blue Devils, to kind of guide you as Tiger Faithful back into the mix. North Carolina's 4-0 and number one, excuse me, 4-0 and 1-0 in the ACC as well. Their lone ACC victory coming uh, on the 23rd of September when they defeated Pitt, but they were off this past week. They've got Syracuse at home this week, 3.30 the kickoff on that one. Then they've got Miami at home, Virginia at home, at Georgia Tech versus Duke, and at, at Clemson and at NC State. So if you're a Tiger fan, you need what you'd like to have is North Carolina drop one between now and the Clemson game. Certainly two would be good. But if you beat them, if you take care of business in November, doesn't matter what North Carolina looks like or, or where they sit, you'd have the leg up on them because you would, of course, would have beaten them, giving them a second conference loss. So you just need North Carolina to drop one betwixt now, now and then. Fourth place in the ACC is Duke. They are 4-1, and 1-0 one, one and oh in the league. I mentioned the loss. Man, heartbreaking uh, with Riley Leonard getting hurt. Uh, what a play by Sam Hartman on a huge 4th and 16 conversion. Duke, it was ironic. 
the announcer said something along the lines of, well, man, Mike Elko, he's continued to attack throughout this game. I think that's a great move, so on and so forth. And then you're sitting there, and Mike Elko, on the biggest play of the game, a game-ending play, sits back in a prevent defense and prevents his team from getting a victory. And then on a play where, after the ball game, Marcus Freeman, head coach of the Fighting Irish, said they were just trying to run out the clock. Uh, Estime broke into the open field for uh, a big touchdown run to put the Fighting Irish uh, up. They went for two, 21-14. Notre Dame took the lead and finished the ball game there in Durham and broke the hearts of Duke fans everywhere. Well, they've got a matchup coming up in a couple of weeks. They're off this week, again, with Riley Linder being out. That's a big deal for the Blue Devils. They got a matchup coming up next week against NC State. Then they go to Florida State at Louisville. They face Wake Forest at North Carolina at Virginia and Pitt. And honestly, even though they've played very well, I think Duke's probably got the the you know most opportunity to drop three games, which certainly helps Clemson because they do have a tough row uh, remaining in front of them. And then at 1-0 in the league, how about Brent Key and the Virginia Tech Hokies? That's right. Virginia Tech is 1-0 in league play. They are 2-3 and overall, but they wallop Pitt this past weekend, 38-21. What the heck is going on with the Pitt Panthers? Phil Jerkovic, uh, he, you know, I, I want to go back to NC State real quick. Brendan Armstrong the former quarterback at Virginia, is now the quarterback at NC State. A year ago, the kid looked like he had a limp noodle for an arm. And this year, he looks like he's got a limp noodle for an arm. Well, in a turn of events, former Boston College quarterback, Phil Dracovic, transitioned to Pitt to be their starting quarterback. And I'm not going to lie to you, Dracovic, isn't isn't getting it. And and I want to go back to the ACC. I want to go back to the ACC media days or the ACC kickoff from a year ago. All right, when I sat down with Phil Dracovic. And I remember coming out of that interview feeling like I don't know if this guy's got what it takes. And there were a lot of conversations about Dracovic at that time being, you know, a a future pro quarterback. I can't deny the 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 size and, and the physique and the build and, and all that. I don't know if he's got the I don't know if he's got what it takes in between his ears to be a winner, quite frankly. I just don't know if he's got the right mindset to be a winner. Eleven of twenty two, two hundred and thirty five yards, two touchdowns. Rushed uh, five times for negative 22 yards in the game. Not exactly a bang-up work there. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 
ChumbaCasino.com. No we are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. By Jacobic at Pitt, as they suffer a terrible loss, uh, they are now 0-2 in the league. NC State checks in at 1-1 in the conference play, 3-2 overall. Then Georgia Tech at 1-1, 2-3. Then Clemson now. The Tigers at 1-2 in the conference, 3-2 overall. Boston College also 1-2. And And then everybody else, Miami, Syracuse, Wake, Pitt, and Virginia are all winless at this point in league play. Miami's yet to play a league game. They are 4-0, however. Uh, Heartbreak for Tony Elliott and the Virginia Cavaliers this weekend uh, as they had a chance to knock off Boston College. Instead, they fall late 27-24. You hate it. A lot of people don't think Tony Elliott's going to win a game uh, in conference play this season, and they have won, and they let the Eagles off the hook. Quick break. We'll come back with more right after this. That was William Quackenbush before the break. Well, I'll tell you what. My sister hit me up earlier. She said, uh, something's going on with the show. I I don't know why. I uploaded everything. Segment two was ready to roll. was right. I I have no idea. So I'm going to try it again uh, for the sake of science as well because here are some of Dabo Sweeney's comments following Clemson's win over Syracuse. Okay, well, you know, fun's in the winning, as we like to say. It's good to see those guys have a little fun. And, um, you know, it's just good to, good to win the game. Um, it's not e- easy to win ever. It's certainly not easy to win on the road and certainly not up here. Uh, I think they do an awesome job up here. It's one of the best environments um, in the league. And, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly not easy to beat an undefeated team uh, as well. So this is a 4-0 team, a team that – Plays really, really hard um, and a lot of pride in what they do. So just super proud of our guys, man. And, and, and you know, not just winning the game, but how they responded to a very tough week. You know, tough week. You come off an overtime loss um, and obviously a, a, a really critical game. Uh, and so, you know, you got two choices. You know, it, you, can, you can respond uh, or you can, you know, um, not. And these guys went back to work and they had a great week of preparation. Um, I thought it was a, a just a just a great start to the game. I mean, everything <clears throat> that we needed to do to win the game, um, we did that. Um, it, it would most most importantly winning the turnover margin, which is something we've not done. Uh, and so this is this game and the FAU game are the two that we won the margin and. Um, you know, so to be able to go on the road and get a three-score win, uh, that's a huge part of it. So, you know, really proud of our defense for how they set the tone. Uh, huge, huge play by Maskell to start the game. And, uh, you know, Peyton Page, good things happen when you hustle to the ball. Peyton Page getting the ball and, and then obviously XT getting one and, and then uh, great, great finish there. You know, we created field position, great finish by – by 54 uh, Trotter uh, on the interception had had a season high five sacks, but the biggest thing was this quarterback holding him to 24 yards rushing. I mean, he's averaging almost 100 yards a game. He's a he's I got a lot of respect uh, for this kid. I mean, he is a tough tough competitor. Uh, <clears throat> but I just thought we did a great job 
uh, up front. Uh, you know, had a couple of lapses, uh, but really, you know, just played tremendous. Um, you know, uh, the the entire you know uh, game. We had, they got the points off the one turnover there, uh, which which hurt us. Uh, but a lot of good things in the game. Uh, number twelve, you know, had a couple of sacks and we had a bunch of guys, you know, uh, get in there with and get kind of a, a half sack. 33, 13, 0, 7, 54, All those guys got in there. But the defense set the tone for the day, and and I thought our special teams really did a great job for us today. I, you know, um, we just not, you know, you know not try not to, you know we, we obviously have struggled with turning the ball over, and we talk about let's end every drive with a kick. And I know we had the one uh, miscue. We're supposed to be cracking that guy, but um, Brandy's got to hang on to the ball for sure. But man, Brandy came back, and made a big block for us on uh, on, on the on the touchdown. Um, but I was really proud of our punt team. I thought Aiden Swanson once again had a heck of a game. Shelton Lewis in coverage, Flo down there in coverage. Our snaps were really good. And then uh, you know, same thing with with uh, Barrett Carter. You know, down there making an impact on special teams. Uh, so just I thought that was a huge part of the game because they really didn't get any uh, return opportunities. And then offensively, another great day on third down. Uh, we're 7 to 15 on third down. And, you know, we've been really, really good all year in that category. Another great game uh, by Cade. I mean, he just continues to to just blossom, you know, before our eyes. I mean, the kid is a, just a uh, – he's a great competitor. You see what he can do with his legs, and that's been the area of his game where he's grown the most from game one to now. Uh, <clears throat> you know, he's got the ability to extend plays. And what I don't know, we had maybe at least three, at least three huge scramble plays. Um, and you know, those are the those are the plays that a lot of times your big plays come off of those type of things. <clears throat> and when you've got a quarterback that can that can create and can throw on the run. And uh, just really proud of him for how he competed, uh, managed the game, you know, the whole day. Uh, Bo Collins, another just outstanding day. Uh, really proud of him. Uh, big play by Stellato on a scramble touchdown, you know, just staying alive and, and then going and getting the ball. Uh, Moffa and Ship added on there. And then, and then obviously Tyler Brown, just a tremendous, tremendous performance. I mean, he's just gotten better and better each week. Uh, he plays hard without the ball. <clears throat> and... Uh, you know, really has a good feel uh, for the scramble drill. Uh, he's a really good finisher on the ball. Uh, he had one he'd probably want to get back, but, you know, I think he <clears throat> averaged almost 19 yards a catch and uh, had a big reverse as well uh, that we, we didn't end up finishing on that drive. But really proud of those guys uh, for how they competed and, again, just just uh, finding a way to win. So, um, you know, that was all we were trying to do was just somehow – just find a way to win the game and, and find a way to at least be even in the margin and kind of see if we could get that worm to turn a little bit. So, And they did. They got the worm to turn, and obviously Clemson now rolls on into their matchup against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And it's a Wake Forest team that I think, quite frankly, at the beginning of the year, uh, there was really a, a, a lot of expectations surrounding that ball club. I know they had lost Sam Hartman, but the feeling is with the wide out, the skill position players that they had that, you know, this was going to be a, a really good season for them. Uh, but last weekend, they were shocked, man. 30 to 16 by Georgia Tech. I mean, what a surprising outcome that was on the 23rd of September. Now they've had a week off to get ready for Clemson as the Tigers host them uh, this coming weekend in Death Valley, uh, that is a 3.30 start on that game. And, of course, we'll always keep you updated on the games 
uh, as we move through the college football weekend. For South Carolina fans, peeking over the fence, boy, they had about the performance that I expected uh, from them. We can certainly talk about South Carolina uh, in a little bit. They really look like at this point, and I know it's frustrating talking to some of my Gamecock buddies about you know how their team looks. The big frustration is that it feels like they've got their the best quarterback that they've ever had, right? In a guy like Spencer Rattler, but they don't have an offensive line that can protect him, and he's just constantly, constantly uh, scrambling around on the run, if you will. And so, South Carolina gets beat this past weekend handily by the Tennessee Volunteers in a little bit of a payback game, 41-20. to 20. When we come back, uh, we'll talk a little pro football real quick. Uh, did you watch the NFL early Sunday morning with their NFL Fun Day Toy Story stuff? We'll touch on that when we return. Stay with us. Back at it. Don't forget, coming up in hour number two, William Qualkenbush will join us to recap Clemson's victory. 31-14 on the road at Syracuse. We'll probably talk with him a little bit as well about the upcoming matchup with Wake Forest at home for your Clemson Tigers. 803-450-0086. That's the text line and the phone line. Before we talk more college football, we can take a look around the country, including DJ Ungalale getting the job done as well. 21-7, Oregon State knocks off Utah, hands the Utes their first loss of the season. But I, I do want to say, I hope the Dabo Sweeney audio sounded fine. That was uh, audio again from YouTube. And I don't know why it hasn't worked lately. Now, that was different because they that was recorded in Syracuse. I'll be more interested to hear how the players sound this week. Uh, as they met with the media earlier today. But e anyway, we'll try to get some of the player comments in in hour number two just for the sake of uh, science because I need to know, okay, maybe it was just a one-off. Maybe it was just a bad week with, with Clemson's audio. So we'll find out on that front. But I, I want to talk about the NFL Fun Day, the Toy Story deal. So for a couple of seasons, uh, the NFL has had like a, what, what you might call a crossover, with Nickelodeon. What they would do is they would have the game broadcast on Nick. They would have like slime when teams would score. And it was really, I think, built to try to excite the younger generation about the sport. Now, at the risk of sounding like an old curmudgeon, I don't think the NFL had trouble roping in anybody Without Nickelodeon, I mean, I'm tuned in and there was no special co-viewing for me when I was growing up. You just had to learn to watch it as it was. Anyway, there was a cross-branding this time around between, because that, that, that was CBS, I believe, and the NFL pulling that off. Well, this would have been, I guess, ESPN because it was on ESPN Plus, which is a Disney-owned operation. Disney, of course, owns Pixar. And I believe they utilized, I didn't look into how they did it, I probably should have, but I believe they used ESPN's, or 
excuse me, the NFL's next gen stats, which really track where players are on the field, to piece together, like in real time, exactly what was happening on the field. You could also watch with your kids if you wanted on a separate broadcast. And it was being played in Andy's room, if you're familiar with Toy Story. And it was little kind of bobblehead-looking characters. I'll, I'll tell you, speaking of heads, uh, they put a they put quite the melon onto Booger McFarlane by comparison to the uh, other announcer who was on stage with him. But they had this stuff. It looked really good. I, I, I don't know if they had something within the entire uniform, but like there was a play where Travis Etienne got tackled and rolled over, and on the 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 Toy Story version, he did the exact same role. Now, there there were glitches. I mean, there was one play where the quarterback threw the ball and it went backwards on the video or you couldn't tell if the pass was incomplete. Sometimes it looked handed off to a... You know, there was one play where it looked like... Honestly, it was three Clemson players. It looked like Trevor Lawrence handed the ball to ETN who handed it to Shatley, uh, the offensive lineman. But that's not exactly how it went down. ETN was just tackled. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, though, did win the game. But I'll be honest, I heard a lot of people talking about it, and uh, a lot of people had some good reviews of it. I, I know it was weird. I, what I did was I, I didn't care to watch it, but I found myself kind of as a consumer of the sport sort of enamored with it, trying to understand how they managed to pull this off But in, in real time. But I synced the two TVs up, so I and they were almost identical. So I could watch... Trevor make the play up top, or I could look down, watch him make it on the bottom. Uh, they had like little like uh, fire, kind of like trails of fire behind your feet when you broke into the open field or hit a certain speed. It was really cool. But you know what I started thinking? The better crossover would be. And I tweeted this out. Madden. If they could figure out how to do a crossover with... EA Sports and, and, and Madden Football. And here, here's why I bring that up. Not that my son, who is 13, or is he 14 now? Oh, gosh, he's, he's 14. Ugh. Ugh. Not that my son, who's 14, doesn't enjoy watching pro football, but he watches a lot more you know Madden simulation stuff on YouTube. And to me, I think a lot of kids probably age 9 to, say, 15, if you did that same thing that you did this past weekend with the NFL Fun Day and you had, you had a Madden instead, I think, I think kids would watch it. Because Madden is very realistic, but it has this Madden-y feel. And I think if you could get it where it was you know, pretty in sync with where players were, like they, they were able to do with this Toy Story feed, I, I think it would work. Now, the Jaguars are over in England for another game. So they played this past weekend in England, and they will stay in England as they played at Wembley Stadium in their 23-7 win over the Falcons this weekend. They'll take on Buffalo at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium 
next weekend, which means another 9.30 a.m. kickoff. But I didn't see if they were going to do it again this weekend. I will tell you that the NFL Sunday ticket, or excuse me, the NFL Fun Day football will be available for 30 days on ESPN+. Plus. So if you have an ESPN Plus subscription, uh, you can watch it. And by the way, Tyler Shatley, former Clemson Tiger, uh, will become the, the, the NFL player who has played the most games in London in history with seven career matchups being played uh, in the UK after he's done with this game this next weekend against Buffalo. Quick break. We'll come back with more right after this. Coming up right around the bend, William Qualkenbush will join the program. 803-450-0086. That's the way you can be a part of the show. Text line and phone line anytime you want to hit us up. Talking a little college football here on a Monday. Big weekend. Uh, as it was, Auburn test Georgia. The Tigers get up 10-0. My, my Georgia faithful were biting their nails. And the Bulldogs managed to squeak out a victory uh, in that game. again, and, and squeak would be the operative word for the top-ranked Bulldogs, who, by the way, held on to the number one spot uh, in the rankings. But uh, quite frankly... They haven't looked elite. Not yet, but the the pundits, the voters, still like the dogs on top. They are 5-0. and They knock off Auburn this past weekend, 27-20. to uh, And it was not in convincing fashion. They got a tough matchup coming up this weekend at home against a very good Kentucky team, the Wildcats are also 5-0 supremacy this year in the SEC East, possibly on the line. Missouri is also 5-0 this year as well. Uh, And the Missouri Tigers this weekend, uh, they've got a matchup coming up against LSU. Now, here's the thing about LSU, okay? And I put this out on our TikTok account. And on our Twitter account, I don't know if you follow us on TikTok or not, but you should. We do put out short-form content over there. But you may recall last week when we were talking about LSU. You know that LSU team that got run off of the field by by Florida State going to take on Ole Miss? Um, Here's what I said. You tell me. Did I nail it? So national pundits, hear me now. If LSU goes on the road and loses to Ole Miss, I'm not telling you that I need you to drop them below Clemson by any means, but I do need you to give them a fair evaluation the same way you've evaluated Clemson's opening week loss to Duke and then Clemson's loss to Florida State because LSU got dragged up and down the field by the Seminoles. Clemson stood toe-to-toe with the Knowles, and I could argue that Florida State's actually gotten better throughout the season. And then both of these teams, LSU and Clemson, would have two losses. But I get the sneaky feeling that even with a loss, LSU's probably not going to drop out of the top 25, which again just begs the question, why? What have they done on their resume if LSU loses this weekend to Ole Miss to deserve to be ranked 
in the top 25. To me, I say nothing. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't see any victories on their schedule. Beating Grambling, beating Mississippi State, beating Arkansas that would garner a top 25 vote. If you can't beat Florida State, you get boat raced out of the arena by the Seminoles, and then you get beat by Ole Miss. I'm not saying I need him to be behind Clemson, but if the Tigers aren't ranked, based off of what I've seen from that team and their growth throughout the season, including that matchup with Florida State, then there's no reason that LSU should be ranked if they lose this weekend to Ole Miss. And not only did they lose to Ole Miss, they got down 14 to nothing. They trimmed it back to 14 to seven. Then they got down 21 to seven. They trailed 31-21 in the second quarter. They end up coming back, taking the lead, 42-34, but then their poorest defense can't finish. They yield three touchdowns for Ole Miss in the fourth quarter. They give up 706 total yards of offense. Yet, guess what? They stayed ranked. Exactly as I expected. Again, not just a little bit ranked. They're 23rd with 149 votes in the AP poll. Clemson has five votes. Again, I don't need them below Clemson. But can you tell me why a 5-0 Maryland's not in front of them? Heck, I don't like to stand up for Texas A&M that often. Can you explain why A&M wouldn't be in front of them? I mean, there are a lot of teams right now that LSU should be behind, but instead they're not. They're 3-2 and two and still sitting in the AP and the coaches' top 25 at number 23. It makes no sense. They have done absolutely nothing. They struggled to beat Arkansas. Arkansas is 2-3, and 0-2 oh in the SEC. Their only quote-unquote good win was against Mississippi State 41-14. They are 0-3, 2-3. They got beat by Florida State 45-24. They beat Grambling 72-10. They lost to Ole Miss. How in the world are they ranked and Clemson's not? I can't explain it. Clemson beat a previously undefeated Syracuse team on the road. The Tigers stood toe-to-toe with the Florida State Seminoles. Everybody now knows that Duke is better than you thought with the way they pushed Notre Dame to the brink. I I don't really care about the Florida Atlantic game or the Charleston Southern game. Like those games aren't really those are kind of non factors for me when I'm when I'm looking at the team. Much like much like uh, the Grambling game is a non factor when I'm looking at LSU. But how could both of those teams be evaluated? And anybody truly believe that LSU should be in the rankings? If you want to argue they should be higher than Clemson, fine. But should they be... Let me count. I actually have to count the number of spots in the... We'll just say the AP poll here. 
Should LSU at three and two be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven spots ahead of Clemson? Of course not. They didn't get a fair evaluation. They don't get the same evaluation that Clemson did. Because I believe if you evaluated them square up based off of what they've done this year, you would actually have Clemson ranked ahead of them. I didn't need Clemson ranked ahead of them. I just needed you to treat LSU the same way that you treated Clemson. And the pollsters clearly didn't. Quackenbush Bush joins us next. Stay with us. It's time for Clemson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Just call me Swanee. Is our number two. That's drive time right here on the show that shakes the Southland. Clemson Sports Talk Law and Swan hanging out with you. William Quaggenbush joins the program on a Monday afternoon. Qual, what's up, buddy? Welcome in. Swanee, I'm doing great. Uh, it's a beautiful Monday here in the upstate, and I'm glad to talk to you. I hope you're doing well. Man, yeah, I was. My sister texted me earlier. She was like, uh, for some reason, um, the show's not running. The, the I'm like, ha. One of those hitches, man. Everything's been put in the system, but you know how this business goes. Sometimes the you you, you get the right ta ta, but you get the uh, plays the wrong ho ho. Uh, that's correct. Uh, if your show goes perfect, uh, it wasn't a show. That's that's the way I see it. And so uh, glad to glad to see you having a show today, buddy. Well, some people some people would say that's how Clemson football's been this year, huh? It hadn't been perfect. <laughs> But uh, I'll tell you what, they, they've really, I think, gotten better every week. I know that can be kind of cliche to say that. But if you kind of look at the progression, right, you'd love to have had that Duke game, you know, maybe a little later in the season because I think Clemson was just a little off kilter. I don't know that they necessarily had the focus and attention on the Duke Blue Devils that you need to have. And clearly we saw this past weekend with the way the Blue Devils played against Notre Dame. I mean, it's a really good football team. All that being said, Qualt, where are you right now five games into the season with what this Clemson Tiger team is? Well, I mean, you're 3-2, and two, so that puts a, a little bit of a low ceiling on you. Um, but I think this team has shown us that it is getting better every week. And let me, let me just parse out why that's important. You're right that it can be cliche, but here's the alternative. You're not getting better every week. See, to me, people think uh, people think the opposite of getting better every week is getting worse every week, which is true. But how many teams is that true of, right? That's, that's not really a thing. You don't see teams play their best football week one and play their worst football week 12. And, like, that's just, that's just not a thing that happens. So the antithesis in the real world of getting better every week is being up and down. And until further notice, this team's not up and down. And so if you're looking at a team with two losses and trying to figure out, okay, is this season going to get worse? Uh, the answer to that at this moment is no, probably because you feel better about this team than you did a week ago or two weeks ago or a month ago. If you didn't know what team you were going to get from week to week, there's a bunch of losses on the schedule. 
I mean, shoot, even right now, Swanee, with a team that is getting better every week, you're still seeing two or three potential losses on the schedule. So if you're a Clemson fan, I understand that that's not, that's not going to get you in the playoff and it's not going to get you in the ACC championship race. And like these, these, are, these are not issues or these, these are not sort of, um, sort of statements that are going to just gloss over the issues of getting two losses in September. But it does have to make you feel good about this team moving forward that they continue to not just get better, but they continue to find new pieces of the puzzle that if you were looking at it like a puzzle, uh, you were going back to the box and you were going back to the, the puzzle closet or the game closet or whatever you want to call it to see if some pieces fell out because you weren't sure that they were going to actually be able to put a legitimate puzzle together just a couple or three weeks ago in some ways. And uh, I think they've answered those questions to this point. Quote, let's talk about Tyler Brown. Um... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nine receptions, 153. Didn't get in the end zone but has clearly become a comfort zone for Kay Klubnik. So I'll ask you about his play first. And then a second part to this, and, and I know you'll, you'll be able to remember this because you're, you're, you're quite frankly a stinking genius, Qualk. But how is it that the past three seasons the best wide receiver has been a freshman? I mean, how is that even a thing, right? Well, it's a great question. Um, let me, I'll, I'll do the Tyler Brown piece first. Um, there's been a little bit of revisionist history on Tyler Brown. So uh, if, we, if we go back to maybe this time a year ago, Tyler Brown was committed to Minnesota, and Clemson had had Ray Ray Joseph committed for a year. And so you didn't really need, like, well, I mean, I would say they needed a twitchier receiver, but you didn't. Like, I mean, from the numbers, it didn't look like you needed one. And so there wasn't really room in the class for a guy like Tyler Brown. Now, if you're asking me, would you have rather had Tyler Brown over Ron Anderson? Uh, yes. Would you have rather had Tyler Brown over Tink Kelly? Yes. I would have had Tyler Brown over both those guys, and you're seeing why right now. Uh, this guy's a freaking electric factory. Um, he can make every single play that you want on the field. He's 19 or 18 or whatever, going on 25. He's super mature, and he gives you a savvy that you just haven't had. Uh, he gives you an opportunity to get extra yards that you haven't had. He gives you an opportunity to get open that you haven't had. These are not the kind of receivers that Clemson has prioritized, and they're not the kind of receivers that Clemson's had. I mean, I, I know that um, Hunter Renfro, he gets a lot of Hunter Renfro comparisons. Uh, there, are, there are some times where he reminds me of Hunter, but i got to be honest, I mean, he reminds me a little bit of, I said there was one catch that he made on Saturday that reminded me of Amari Rogers, and uh, okay. the, one of the other people. One of the other people in the studio said, uh, I, I, I'm seeing more Artega Scott. There we go. But, I mean, that's, that's what you have. You have that A-catch-a-season uh, type of guy that's going to be a third down, uh, you know, a security blanket for you. I love that. Now, as to your question about freshmen, um, let's go back to 2021. Bo Collins is your best freshman or your best receiver basically by default, right? There were no good receivers in 2021. 
Bo Constance and immediately as your best receiver. It was reminiscent of 2011, when, or excuse me, 2010, when Nuke Hopkins was the best receiver, but there was no second place. Like, it was just a tie for last after that. There was nobody, right? Um, I, you know, and I, so I, I would chunk it up to that. Plus, you had the Bo King package with a relationship with DJ. I think that helped him to start off uh, on the ground floor uh, uh, better than, than uh, some of the other guys. Um, 2022 with Antonio Williams, he had he was the Tyler Brown before Tyler Brown because he had the skill set that uh, that you that, that they really didn't see across the board. Now, I would also point out that Adam Randall uh, was hurt in spring, and I would say still doesn't look 100. percent He doesn't look anywhere close to the guy that we thought we were getting uh, when he signed out of high school in the Myrtle Beach area. Um, and then Bo Collins was also dealing with injuries. So, you you know, the, the best candidates to be a really good receiver outside of Williams were hurt. And so you kind of did it by default. This is a bit of a default process, too. But I would also point out that Bo Collins has played better. Um, I think Troy Stilato has been a major influence on this passing game. No doubt. I think this is the more legitimate thing. Now, there are folks who would use that stat that you gave, that the best receiver on Clemson's team the last three has been a freshman, to talk about lack of development. I think there's something to be said for that. But it is also instructive that Troy Stilato is now one of your three best receivers probably, and he's healthy. Gavin had him. And, and you see the difference that Troy Stilato can make. That has nothing to do with the development of the guys that you have. Not everybody has as high a ceiling as maybe the recruiting experts think or maybe as you want there to be for a variety of reasons. So I, 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 I see that criticism of Tyler Grisham, and I see that criticism of this offense. But when you look at Troy Stilato, it's hard not to think about if this guy had been healthy when he got here as a freshman, if he had been there in 21 and 22, would he maybe have been a consistent threat as a receiver and now a blossoming junior uh, heading in here to 2023? I think that's a distinct possibility that we've got to that we've got to sort of chalk up, not necessarily to lack of development, but just to general health. On Twitter, he is at Qualt Talking. Of course, you can catch him every Monday right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400 or around the world on the iHeartRadio app as he hangs out with us to talk about your Clemson Tigers. Qualt, the other thing that has sort of developed here over the past couple of ball games to me is a pocket presence with Cade Klubnick. I mean, on the throw that he made to Bo Collins down the field, the way he slid up into the pocket – uh, and and placed a I mean listen Bo Collins is wide open but even still is a great double move by him but to have that wherewithal to step up and make that throw really makes me feel like you're seeing the development of K Klubnik happening pretty rapidly as well. Yeah, and, and let me address that too because you mentioned pocket presence. I think some people think that pocket presence is just basically blindly sitting in the pocket, come hell or high water. I think pocket presence is about knowing when the pocket is there for you and knowing when to escape it. There's a two-parter there. And Kate, I thought, did both things brilliantly uh, on Saturday. Not perfectly, but I, I thought he did them brilliantly. The other thing I'll point out is that this is, a, this is a particularly difficult study because you don't face defenses like this. And here's what I mean. Yes, uh, they're undersized up front, Syracuse is. Uh, yes, Clemson should have been able to run the ball better. I think they should have. But on the other hand, guess what? That 3-3-5 they've been running, the, the boss of that 3-3-5 is now running their defense. You had his protege. Now you have him. Rocky Long ain't never had a bad defense, Swanee. In decades, Rocky Long ain't had a bad defense. 
that guy knows how to coach up defense. He knows how to do it with unheralded guys and undersized lines and, and players who aren't fleet of foot, super agile, athletic, all that stuff. Uh, Ronnie Long does a really, really good job of applying pressure with angles and leverage and unpredictability. And so the offensive line had to deal with that. Kate Klubnick had to deal with that too. And uh, Klubnick dealt with that by extending plays. He ran it when he could, but he didn't force the run. He also didn't force a ton of passes on sort of traditional dropbacks. There were a couple of sort of the, the, the choreographed plays, I call it, RPOs, or, you know, you get a little play fake or a little orbit motion in the backfield where you're trying to throw a swing pass out there that maybe he threw and he shouldn't have. But those are, those are more like rhythm and timing plays. I'm talking about when it's just a drop back, third and eight, and you need eight yards. Uh, Kate Clemmick showed that if he doesn't see eight yards right off the bat, he's going to get them with his legs or he's going to get them with his arms somehow, some way by moving and shaking. And the other thing is when you got receivers that will come back to the ball, it makes it a lot easier. I'll tell you what, Tyler Brown is great at finding his quarterback. He's great at coming back to wherever the, wherever the quarterback is rolling and making that defensive back play in a blender. And uh, I thought that really helped Kate, but, yeah, he looked – in fact, one of our interns even said this today, that he just looked really comfortable. And it was a, a stark difference from what we saw a month ago at Duke where he kind of did the Madden thing where he keeps backpedaling, backpedaling, backpedaling. You didn't see that at all. You didn't see him throwing hand grenades up there, uh, you know, that nobody's going to catch except the defense. We, we just saw a more polished and a more confident and a more comfortable version of Kate Klubnick, which tells me that he did about a year's worth of growing up in a month. And that should make Clemson fans excited about the next two months. Again, he's on Twitter at Qualt Talk. He joins us every Monday. All right, a couple of more questions for you. Qualt, uh, I, I said last week here on the program, I put it out on social media. I don't know if you saw it, my uh, video on LSU. And, and my take was, look, man, if LSU loses to Ole Miss, I can't give you a reason to justify them being in the top 25 if you don't give the same consideration to Clemson. Well, the Tigers are in the AP 11 spots still behind LSU. Uh, this, to me, I don't I don't tend to even use the word all that often. I don't even talk about SEC bias. But to me, that's exactly what I, I'm looking at with this LSU team being ranked 23rd. Your thoughts? Well, let me, let me first say, I'm not certain that either one of these teams should be ranked right now. I, I agree. think Clemson looks like a Look, I think Clemson looks like a top 25 team. Um, I'm not sure LSU does. Uh, that defense got absolutely torched on Saturday. Uh, Georgia Tech fired their defensive coordinator, and they did a better job against Ole Miss than LSU did. Um, that, I mean, that was a disaster yeah. uh, defensively for LSU on Saturday. To me, Swanee, it comes down to this. It comes down to reputation and stadium size. I say this all the time. If Clemson, if Duke played in an 80,000-seat stadium, they would have been ranked in the top 10 when they faced Notre Dame. But they don't. They play in a 35,000 or 33,000 or whatever it is, each stadium. Uh, if Wake Forest played in a stadium that was full every week and it was 60-some thousand, uh, they would have gotten a lot more love in the past than they've gotten. And you know what? When you play in a 90,000-seat stadium and you lose in 90,000-seat stadiums, as opposed to losing in a 30,000-seat stadium uh, to a program that is ranked, whether they should be or not, and I'm not casting any aspersions on Florida State or Ole Miss. It's just the way it is. Uh, those teams are more likely to be ranked than Duke is, so those teams are more likely to get the benefit of the doubt than Duke is. The reality is that Duke would beat Ole Miss, and Duke 
almost beat Notre Dame. In fact, if they have a, a little bit of a better defensive card, if Sam Harmon doesn't make one of the savviest plays of his career, they do beat Notre Dame, and then we're having a totally different conversation. But I'm still not certain that Clemson gets the benefit of beating Duke because they weren't ranked at the time. And you know what SEC teams get that ACC teams don't get, Swanee? This, this could be a realignment conversation if you want, but they get the benefit of revisionist history in their favor when it comes to whether teams are ranked or not. And if you're an ACC team, you gotta you got to get credit for the worst version of the team that you face. Either they weren't ranked at the time, so it doesn't count as a ranked win, or they're not ranked now, so it shouldn't have counted as a ranked win. You don't get the benefit unless the team's just ranked the whole year of playing and beating a ranked team. That's just not what happens unless right. it's Florida State. That's just life in the ACC, unfortunately. Again, he's on Twitter at Qualt Talk. All right, Qualt, let's turn our attention away from that and back to the gridiron real quick. Uh, TJ Parker, uh, what a bright spot he's been for this Clemson Tiger defensive front. Uh, he's as exciting, I would say, as a freshman, uh, probably since Xavier Thomas. Ironically, Thomas still on campus playing alongside this kid. Uh, what's the What's the ceiling? For this guy, man, it, it feels like he's got a chance to be like one of the elite Clemson defenders of all time. And I know it's very early, but he surely gives off those vibes. Well, and I, you know, I, I hate to make this comparison because it, it's going to ding this other person. And I, look, I'm not trying to necessarily do that. Oh, boy. But remember when Miles Murphy posted numbers as a freshman and we like we almost like made ourselves believe that he was an impactful freshman. And I'm not saying he did make an impact, but what we're saying is, like, Clemson has seen what it looks like when young players step up and are immediately impactful on the edge. Sometimes it's a redshirt freshman, but guys in their first year of playing have done that routinely. And so we know what that looks like. And just showing us numbers on a stat sheet is not good enough. It might be good enough if you've never seen that before, but it wasn't good enough in that case. It's good enough here because it's T.J. Parker is what it looks like. He is what it looks like when a freshman comes in and just starts wrecking people. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Peter Woods, there are some freshmen that probably will end up with comparable statistical numbers of Peter Woods that aren't playing as well as him. Peter Woods is wrecking stuff. T.J. Parker's wrecking stuff. You are making the defense forget about other people because they have to identify and pay attention to you. And you know who knows this? Wes Goodwin does, because guess who was out there on the field when, uh, when Justin Maskell almost decapitated uh, Garrett Schrader? It was T.J. Parker and Peter Woods. We're talking early in the game, those two guys are getting run out on the field. That's how, excuse me, that's how good both those guys have been, especially Parker, who was supposed to be filling in for Maskell. He's filling in for Thomas now. There were times swanning in the formation where Clemson had three defensive tackles in the game, and T.J. Parker. That's how good T.J. Parker has been. That's how reliable T.J. Parker is. And I don't see any reason to believe that this guy's developmental uh, curve is going to slow down one iota as we get into the teeth of the season. Qualk, final thing. I know it's early in the week, but uh, give us your thoughts on the matchup with Wake Forest coming up this weekend. Well, I mean, I, I think Clemson knows about the mesh. I think Clemson knows about what Wake Forest wants to do. Um, the neat thing about Wake Forest this year is where Sam Hartman would throw balls up and guys would catch them. Uh, Mitch Griffiths has been throwing balls up, not anywhere close to the guys, and they've been intercepted. So that's a fun little wrinkle that Wake Forest has thrown in offensively this year. They don't run the ball very effectively, and they're, they're not going to try as much. That puts a lot of pressure 
on uh, on Griffin. Still a good receiving core, but uh, just not the trigger man that they've had. The real drop-offs, and I, I asked lots of folks from um, from up in the Triangle, uh, those types of media guys over the summer, like, what's the deal with weight? Because their win total is like six, and I'm thinking they're going to make a bowl. Like, why would we not take the over? And they said, you know, the offense will probably figure it out, but the defense is what you need to watch because they lost some dudes. And this defense has given up like six yards of play against uh, against Power 5 competition so far. And the Power 5 team, they played at Georgia Tech and Vanderbilt. So, you know, not exactly uh, the creme de la creme. Uh, I said this today. This is my disrespectful line of the week, Swanee. It's going to feel like a homecoming game on Saturday. And I think this is the worst team left on Clemson's schedule. They should put up 40-plus on this Wake Forest defense. And uh, they should be able to run the ball a little bit better, too, which is something they've had a problem with the last couple games. Qualt, be good, man. Follow him on Twitter at Qualt. Talk, listen to him every day, noon until 3 o'clock. Out of bounds with Qualt and Ben, 105.5 The Roar in the Upstate. We'll talk to you next week, my man. Thanks, Juan. Always going to be with him. There you have it, William Qualkenbush right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400 The Midlands and, of course, heard around the world on the iHeartRadio app. Quick break. We'll come back with more on a Monday afternoon. The show that shakes the Southland Clemson Sports Talk on a Monday afternoon. Talking with William Qualkenbush a little bit earlier about a couple of freshmen, Tyler Brown and uh, TJ Parker. Well, congrats to those guys as they garnered three spots on the ACC's weekly honors list. Brown collected both the ACC Receiver of the Week and the ACC Rookie of the Week honors, while Parker was named the ACC's Defensive Lineman of the Week. The trio, again, that's two guys, but a trio of selections are Clemson's second, third, and fourth selections by the ACC of the season. Clemson has now earned 569 ACC weekly honors since 1968. Brown with two multiple, I guess you would say, ACC weekly honors joined Sammy Watkins and Deshaun Watson as the only players in school history to pull off the feet. Watkins collected dual awards for performances against Auburn and Maryland in 2011, and Watson did so following efforts against North Carolina and NC State in 2014. Brown had nine receptions, 153 yards, and his 153 yards were the most by a Clemson true freshman since Justin Ross put up 153 against Alabama in the national championship game in 2018. Brown is only the seventh player in Clemson history to record a 100-yard receiving game within his first five games of his career, joining Arteva Scott, who I've compared him to, who did it twice in 2014, Justin Ross, who did it twice in 2018, Cole Turner, who did it twice in 2022, Sammy Watkins, who did it three times in 2011, and Derek Hamilton, who did it five times in 2001. And last... Jim Lanzendone, who did it five times in 1973. Parker earned his first career ACC Player of the Week award with five tackles, two for loss, and two sacks in the ball game on Saturday. He was also selected as our overnight sensation on the website. 
He became the first Clemson true freshman to record at least two sacks in a game since Miles Murphy back in 2020 against Wake Forest. Murphy, Dexter Lawrence, Carrico Wright, he joined those guys to become the fourth Clemson freshman under Dabo Sweeney to post two sacks in a single game. Parker leads all freshmen nationally with seven and a half tackles for loss and is the only freshman in the FBS with five or more tackles for loss through five games. He's already more than halfway to Miles Murphy's true freshman record for tackles for loss, which was 12. Parker's three sacks ranks tied for second nationally as well among freshmen. So how about those two dudes, freshman fellows, showing out this weekend? Absolutely bonkers how good those two guys have been by comparison to their contemporaries on the field. Now, Parker's situation certainly unique. I think that a lot of times I was having a conversation this weekend with a friend about uh, that Clemson Tiger defense, and you know it, it's possible that some of Parker's success comes from just how good maybe Rook and Tyler Davis are, and so you don't. Nah, what's the word? You 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 kind of channel their lack of numbers and go, ooh, man, those guys those guys aren't playing very well this year, but their true impact might be that they make it easier on everybody else, including T.J. Parker. Uh, but he, he just is a menace, man, an absolute menace on the field, incredibly fun to watch. Uh, just uh, appears, honestly, the other thing I really like about T.J. Parker, he appears to love playing the game. And there are players out there, for whatever reason, that a lot of times maybe don't come across as uh, they, that they seem to enjoy the game. It's like maybe they're playing just to play. This guy's motor runs at about 1,000 miles an hour, and he looks excited to be there. Uh, I said it earlier to Qualk. I mean, he, he looks like he can be the next great Clemson defensive prospect. And quite frankly, I truly believe that. That's how good uh, this kid is. I, I think he's got a chance to be a player that not only makes an impact on Saturdays at Clemson, but barring an unforeseen injury, I think he's got a chance to be a great player in the NFL. And and speaking of, of that, too, I, I do want to give some credit here to Brian Brzee. I, I don't know if you've seen him playing in the NFL yet or not, but I, I'll say this. This guy looks like he is in better shape than he was at any point during his career at Clemson. I, and I don't want to say, oh, it's coaching or whatever. People can have their, their uh, thoughts on why he looks so much better in the NFL than he did at Clemson, but... 
you just you got to respect what you see. And right now, uh, he looks as good as he ever looked in Tiger Town as he gets, uh, you know, does a tremendous job for the New Orleans Saints. A uh, lot of fun. A lot of fun, quite frankly, uh, watching him play this season so far. 8.03, and I got the Sunday ticket, so I'm getting a sneaky peek every chance I get. 803-450-0086. All right, we'll come back. I'm getting the ribbon out. We're going to put a big old bow on the Monday edition of The People Show. Clemson Sports Talk right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. And, of course, heard around the world on the iHeartRadio app. What have you done for me lately? It's a fair question. Just don't lose sight of the bigger picture. Don't forget history. Lucky for us at Clemson, the answer to the questions, what have you done for me lately, and what have you done always, are the same. We win. Final segment on a Monday, not going to lie. Uh, it was a crazy day. I, I don't know what happened to segment two. My, my sister, thank you, Wida, for hitting me up. She was like, uh, something's going on. I checked the books. Everything was uploaded. Everything should have been uh, purring right along. But it wasn't. It wasn't. For some reason, it did not. It did, you, know, you didn't get what you're supposed to get. you're supposed to get. But I reset it for you. Uh, in the second segment of Hour 2. And uh, as I mentioned before that segment ran, I, my hope, of course, was that the audio sounded good on Dabo Sweeney. Now, that's a little different scenario because, of course, Clemson uh, was was you know recording that differently post-Syracuse than they were when he does a post-game in Tigertown, we haven't really had problems with Sweeney's audio, if I'm being honest. It's it's only been the players. And we didn't run any player audio today. We will run player audio tomorrow. So tomorrow will be uh, the day we figure it all out. We streamed William Qualkenbush's interview on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Subscribe over there. And if you really like what we're doing here, come support us. $1, get you in the door. 63 17 for a year. And you could stand behind the program. I mean, I like I imagine a day where not only is our site rolling along, but really thriving. And we can get to that thriving spot with you. And it would, you know, to to really push it to the next level where we had like a, a full time writer, um, you know, people doing stuff full time. We probably need between 
750 and 1,000 subscribers. You know, maybe more. And how do we get there? Well, obviously, we start with you just stepping on in and saying, I'm with you, right? Uh, all the businesses that support us and support the radio show, think of yourself, right, as a little micro business, so to speak. Those people and those businesses locally that you've heard on the radio for years, they stand behind the show because they believe in it. And if you believe in our show and our website, then be like a little micro business and stand behind us by subscribing to the website. It's sixty three seventeen for a year. 17 cents a day to say, I'm with you, Swanee, and I'll help you continue to grow. Because that's what it is. It's 100% Clemson-owned. Like, that we're not owned by CBS. We're not owned by Amazon. We're not owned by Yahoo. We're not owned by Google. Clemson Sports Talk is owned by this rather fabulous voice you're listening to. So, $63.17 a year, you know, from 750 to 1,000 people would really help kickstart what we've done. And we've been doing the the show or the the website for almost five years now. And COVID certainly set us back. Uh, that was kind of a, a, a bummer to a degree because, you know, some people obviously decided to pull back on their support. And I don't blame you. I mean, a lot you, you had to, you got to cut what you have to cut during you know, those tough times. But man, if you can jump back in and support us now, we'd love to have you. Uh, Clemson gets set to take on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, 3.30 on the ACC Network this weekend. ESPN's matchup predictor has the Tigers with an 89.3% chance to win this ballgame. They have the Tigers as 21-point favorites at home over the 3-1 Demon Deacons. As Qualk mentioned, uh, the issue that the Deacons have is Mitch Griffiths uh, unfortunately, uh, for the Deacon fans, is not Sam Hartman. And it had to be tough for them to watch Sam Hartman at Notre Dame nearly pull off a victory against Ohio State and then find a way to win against Duke this past weekend when I think a lot of people were thinking, man, the Blue Devils are about to beat Notre Dame. And I'm not lying. I was hoping for that. I, I, I'm not a Notre Dame uh, hater by any means, but I was hoping that Duke was going to pull that off because I, I think then the conversation I've had here on the program with you a couple of times now about Clemson and, and LSU is a completely different conversation, okay? If Duke had beaten Notre Dame because then that all of a sudden says, whoa, this Duke team's really good, but Duke didn't really fall a whole lot. I think a couple of spots in the polls with the loss. But they didn't bolster the belief that they are quote-unquote elite, right, in the mind's eye of people. Again, we'll give you the rundown of all the big ball games to watch this weekend coming up over the next couple of days. Don't forget to be a part of our website, ClemsonSportsTalk.com. That's Clemson. SportsTalk.com. Would love to have you hang out with us over there. Uh, we've also got a Twitter community, up to 220 members already. We're trying to grow that to 500 or 1,000 by the end of the year. It's the largest Clemson Twitter community. Come step in. Be a part of the conversation there. Uh, we just want to engage. We just want to interact with you 
And you know how much we appreciate you. So thank you for being a part of what we do. We will be back right here tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Until then, as always, y'all take care now. And go Tigers!